Hello, lovelies. Remember in episode 14 when I told you that sometimes you don't figure out things until you bump into them? Well, look out, kiddos, because I've bumped into something again and (laughs) I'm honestly getting tired of getting bruised. But hey, I wanted to share it with you because I think it might be useful to all of us. I don't know if you're aware, but we just suffered some incredibly traumatic floods here in Queensland and New South Wales in Australia. They are calling them the greatest floods in the century. And many of my actual friends, not just people that I heard about in the newspaper, lost their homes. The floodwaters literally went over the top of houses here. People were stuck in the mud up to their necks. And many people died. It was a very, very, very sad situation. But something that happened as a result of those floods was profoundly (laughs) interesting to me in a way that you might think is really, really strange. Because in the light of this actual emergency, the stores were overwhelmed, as you might imagine. They were overwhelmed because the roads had been blocked, trucks couldn't get through, and so the shelves couldn't be restocked. And so what happened was the people came in and they grabbed, they grabbed everything that they could afford to grab. And do you know what? Do you know what was super interesting to me is that this time the shelves that were bare were the shelves that had food. And do you know what wasn't empty? The toilet paper aisle. Now, to me, this was incredibly interesting because I don't know if you remember. (laughs) Uh, But I think the entire world was subject to what I believe now to be a psyop. A psyop of immense proportions because there was at the beginning of our... (sighs) adventure of the last two years, a moment in time where everybody in the world went and bought, fought over and punched each other up for toilet paper, leaving all the food, all the bread, all the milk, all the dairy, just where it was. And I remember thinking at the time that this is super weird, right? You can't eat toilet paper. Yet the news told us that we needed to buy toilet paper and... We all rushed out and bought toilet paper. So what we have here is we have a situation where there is a natural, organic, actual disaster-driven panic. And then there is a media-created panic and people acted very differently. Doesn't that strike you as odd that when there's a real emergency, people grab food? And when there is a media emergency with the media telling you you have to go and buy toilet paper, people went out and bought heaps of toilet paper and left the food behind. You know what I think that was? I think that was a test 
I think the media did this very early on to see how responsive we would be to their magic. And I use that term very precisely. You see, they needed a mechanism to determine if their spells would work on us, how receptive we would be. And so they used one of their most potent tools, the tool of fear, and did a little test run on us. And (laughs) it worked. It worked really, really well. I also want you to think back to a time when the first news came out of China about the very thing that was going to affect our lives up until today. And I remember seeing footage of people dying in the streets and independent citizens were vlogging about how dangerous it was and doctors were dying in elevators and hospitals were overrun. In fact, do you remember they went and built a hospital in a matter of days? Now, having been through all of this now for too long... (laughs) Doesn't all of that footage seem a little bit mm, inaccurate? I mean, you know, we were all subject to this supposed situation, and yet I didn't see one person die on the street. I didn't see one doctor die in the elevator, and I didn't see anybody needing to build any hospitals. Now, back to the floods, what was interesting to me is that I had three friends who lost homes and I had many other friends that suffered water damage. And so to me, this was a very, very real event. But as of this day, I am still blessed to not actually know one person who died because of this other event. So these things make me think a little bit about what is the reality of the information that we are being given by our media and our reactions to it. And this is very much brought to the fore right now because not that long ago, some really important and sad information was released onto the public arena about the known side effects of the medicine that they provided us in reaction to the situation. And although many of us had anticipated this knowledge becoming available, the extent of the information was incredibly damaging and overwhelming. And you know what? I thought that this was going to be the biggest watershed about this story. And I was, you know, in a way, like I... (laughs) I wanted it to be, I wanted it to be known. I wanted it to be known. Now, all of this once again brings me back to the magic with a K versus magic without a K. The more I see what goes on in the world, the more I just think that these two are not as far apart. (laughs) And maybe it's just a matter of scale, right? Magic without a K relies on powerful psychological illusions and magicians create their tricks by exploiting gaps and errors in our conscious experience. For example, magicians use misdirection to manipulate what you attend to and this allows them to control what you see and what you miss. 
So the more I think about it, magic and magic with a K and PSYOP all seem to be the same thing. And it seems to me that the most proficient magicians in this regard today are our media. Now, look, this doesn't surprise any of us, right? But what it does remind me of is, you know, those women who know that they only date bad boys, like they know they can sit there and they can tell you and they can say, the problem with my life is that I only date bad boys. But what do they continue to do? They continue to only date bad boys. It seems that knowing about the problem doesn't fix the problem. Knowing about the problem, recognizing the problem doesn't fix the problem. I recently came across a podcast by Russell Brand who was quoting an article by a Matt Taibbi. I really didn't know who he was, but I have seen his name come up a little bit lately. So I went to have a look at his blog, his latest blog that Russell was responding to. And he had just reread 1984. <laughs> and the very beginning of his blog, he talks about doublethink. And to quote Orwell, at least the character Winston, within 1984, he says, To know and not to know, to be conscious of complete truthfulness while telling carefully constructed lies, to hold simultaneously two opinions which cancelled out, knowing them to be contradictory and believing in them both, to forget whatever it was necessary to forget, then to draw it back into memory again at the moment when it was needed, and then promptly to forget it again. That was the ultimate subtlety. Ah, that kind of rings really true to me, right? I, I think that <laughs> part of this media situation that we found ourselves in, or this control situation that we found ourselves in, is very reminiscent of 1984. And I absolutely loved how Russell Brand took this manipulation of information and related it to the situation that we are in now. And so I am going to play a little bit of Russell for you. These people are permitted to speak. We're highlighting that information. We're reducing that information. We're eliminating that information. They don't know what's right. They just know what's convenient to the pursuit of their agenda. So we're not even talking about what's right. We're talking about what's convenient to meet their objectives. We long ago reached the double think phase predicted by Orwell, where most of the population is conscious of double standards, but ignores them effortlessly. I think we are aware of that now. What a genius Orwell was. We were caught up on the aesthetics, weren't we? The aesthetics suggested it would be a type of drab Eastern European communism that those of us that grew up in the 80s were familiar with. But actually what it's become is the saturating domination of linguistic management and technocratic authority. An authority that plants itself in your mind so you censor yourself. So you don't know who you are anymore. You are not allowed to communicate directly. The authority that I fear most is the authority that they're embedding in our consciousness right now. A healthy person should be able to be horrified by what's happening in Russia and also see a warning about the degradation that ensues from using preemptive force or from trying to control discontent by erasing expressions of it. Trying to control discontent by erasing expressions of it. 
But years of relentless propaganda have trained Americans to double-think their way out of such insights. The ideal citizen of Orwell's Oceana bubbled with rage a mile wide and a millimetre deep and could forget in an instant passions that may have consumed him or her for years. We just did this with a pandemic that had the country steaming with indignation until it was quietly declared over the moment Putin rolled over Ukraine's borders. We switch from the pandemic of the unvaccinated to Putin's price hikes in a snap. National outrage moved a few lobes over with zero fuss. And now we hate new people. Instead of anti-vax Barbie, we're barring Russian and Belarusian kids from the Paralympics. One of the things that terrifies me most is that the lens and glare of the machine is able to effortlessly shift. Where did it go, all of the concern around the pandemic, all the condemnation, all the pageantry around masks? Where is it now? Where is it? What's happened to it? And the only thing that remains is the criticism, condemnation of people that wanted an open conversation. And now that is applied to people that are trying to have a conversation around this conflict. No one, not Matt Taibbi in this article, not me in this video, not you in your heart are saying that the suffering of Ukrainian people is anything other than horrific and sad. The problem comes when we have a machine, an apparatus wrapped around our public discourse, webbed to our minds that prevents open communication for no reason other than it's inconvenient to its own agenda. Obviously, there was some kind of agenda at play during the pandemic. Obviously, there's some kind of agenda at play now. Because if there isn't, why are they working so hard to exclude honest and open conversation? I have some homework for you. I haven't given you homework for a while, have I? I have been pretty slack. But there are two things I want to point you towards. There is one called The Century of Self, Part 3. There is a policeman inside all of our heads. This is a documentary done by a fairly famous British documentarian, Adam Curtis is his name. And in this particular version, it focuses on the work of psychoanalyst Sigmund Freud and Anna Freud and the very famous and I don't know, possibly one of the worst human beings of all time, the PR consultant Edward Bernays. And it is about how those in power have used Freud's theories to control the dangerous crowd in the age of mass democracy by putting a policeman inside your head. The other thing that I will point you to is Truth Stream Media on YouTube. Their channel is absolutely amazing. And if my internet worked right now, I would pull it up. But I think the documentary is called The Minds of Men. So go check that out because it is some fabulous work by them. But again, all this really does is show us how they do it. It doesn't change our reactions to it. And so I think that is the thing that we should possibly meditate on. Because I'll end on something that our English friend said. We can't let them win. We can't let them win. We have to set up an entirely separate parallel culture where open communication is possible because they are trying to saturate the world with bad ideas. Hello, lovelies. I am so excited to announce the release of our new film called Heka. Heka looks at the magic of ancient Egypt and how that pertains to the story of ancient Egypt and fills in a whole new perspective that we have been missing collectively for hundreds of years. 
It features Gordon White, Chance Gardner, Joseph Patrick Farrell, Lon Milo Duquette, Tobias Churton, Graham Hancock, of course, the fabulous John Anthony West, Rupert Sheldrake, Stephen Skinner, Thomas Sheridan, Peter Mark Adams, Thomas Joseph Brown, Aton Veggie, Mog Morton, Bernardo Catstrop, Shauna Holm, Mark Passio, John Zaraki, and the goddess Joanna Kujawa. I am so incredibly proud of it, and I invite you to come and have a look. You can find a link on MagicalEgypt.com. Thank you. 